Jim Clouk here on the Beach Money Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Maybe you're on the beach or doing whatever you love to do because you're living the beach money lifestyle. Kelly Falardo is joining me here today. Hey, Kelly, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Jim? I am fantastic. So you reside in a country that I grew up in. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I do live in Texas now, and I guess a lot of people think that I'm, I'm this American guy from uh, Texas or something like that. But no, I've I've lived all over and I actually spent my formative years up in the great white north, Canada. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, did you been... enjoy growing up here in Canada? I did. Canadians are a little more laid back and they know how to party. <laughs> they, they do. So... <laughs> We have a common friend, Jordan Adler. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you met Jordan and how you ended up here on our podcast? Well, Jordan and I met a couple of weeks ago in Cabo. We are both uh, at an event called um, JVology, which is all about people working together to help market each other's businesses. Mm. So we uh, spent the week together with, there was what, 15 of us. And we just all basically talked about our businesses, that the masterminding. And so Jordan and I talked about how we could help each other. And uh, he invited me to be on his show. Yeah. And it's great to have you here. I really appreciate it, Kelly. So I understand you can help people become an author, maybe a best-selling author. We hear that a lot, right? Write a book. We can, you know, get you to be a best-selling author. You have authority through books. You could make money that way, get speaking engagements. But I really like the authority and credibility. I have written some books myself, and they're really great tools. Absolutely. I believe anybody in business should have a book. Uh, a book is a great way to, you know, build that credibility showcase what your talents are, what you're an expert at. And then you have um, a product. Basically, you know, people will say it's, you know, it's a business card. And it is, it is a business card. But it's also a way that, you know, when people hear you speak, then they've got something they can take home with them to learn even more about you. Because you know what it's like, Jim, when you're on a podcast or you're speaking somewhere, you can't tell everybody everything about yourself. So this way, if you have a book, you've got something that they can buy and take home with them. Absolutely. So uh, I see you have a bunch of books behind you. I'm assuming that those are books that you've helped to publish for clients. Yeah, absolutely. Almost all of these books are my clients' books, except for mine. <laughs> but yeah, these are all people that I've helped become bestselling authors. So I have a 100% success rate in getting people to the bestseller list. I am on Kelly's side. You need to have a book if you're in business. And I'll tell you, I'm not talking about big business. I'm like, you know, McDonald's Corporation doesn't need a book. You, the self-employed person, the solopreneur, the smaller you are, the more credibility you need. I talk about people having a podcast, doing videos, doing a book. I've I've done two books myself and, and they don't have to be big. This is what I call a mini book. And this thing can be read in 20 minutes, Kelly, and it explains to people why they should get a podcast. And now it's a marketing piece. I'll tell you that. But it really gets down to it. And also, if you can do an audio version, even better today. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I loved how you said that if you're a solopreneur, you need even more credibility because you don't have that big business behind you. So it's so important that if you want to build credibility, then get a book and write a book. And today's day with AI, it's easier than ever to write a book. You know, Kelly, they say everybody's got at least one book in them. Some people have many. I've got some friends who, who've written over 20 books. And it's therapeutic, too. It doesn't matter what you write about. Um, you know, you might want to write something fiction. But, but you know, when it comes to business, it's going to probably be a, um, um, uh, a you know, nonfiction book. It's going to be a book that's about what you do, what makes you credible and an authority in your business but at the same time it's not all about you you really need to put items in there steps processes for that reader to be able to get something out of it whether they engage with you or not yeah absolutely i totally agree with you um one of my favorite types of books is compilation books where you know jim and you and i were talking about that where you get a number of people maybe 20 people and they pay you to talk about one topic and you can do it as easy as just taking an interview with somebody and convert that into a story and make it into a book. And then if you've got 20 people in the book, you've got 20 people promoting it and that's how you can get to the bestseller list. And so not only do you become an author, you become a bestselling author, which gives you even more credibility, higher fees, more opportunities. Now, if you're thinking, gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Let me tell you something. I did it, Kelly, with contractors, home service provider. These are blue collar contractors that wrote a chapter in this compilation book. Now, I was the mastermind behind it. I orchestrated it. I put it together. But my point is, is if you who are watching or listening to this have clients um, or associates that could contribute to a compilation book and you put it together, Kelly can make it a bestseller. Yeah, Absolutely. And you're right. It can be a little book too. Like I've got clients that do little books that are just little four by seven. Um, in fact, I did one myself. I, I would realize when I was on the dating scene that there was five different types of men on the online site. And so I created a little <laughs> 50 page book, five types of men on the dating sites and how to spot them. And it became a bestseller. And it was just like, oh my God, that's so funny. Cause I did it more as an experiment to see if people liked it or if they'd buy it. And sure enough, people were buying it for their friends because they had a single girlfriend who was online, you know, trying to do online dating. And sure enough, they'd buy this little book for her. It was so, it was fun. You know, there are five different types of men, but 150 different types of women. So it's, I, know. <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea. I've been happily married for 25 years, but um, <laughs> I, I would imagine if a book was written, there would be more than five types of, of women. It's, it's uh, interesting <laughs> dynamic. All right. Let's I know. See. I actually worked with a guy, a client of mine that wanted to write the types of women because he was on the dating site yeah. and we came up with six for sure. <laughs> okay. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I bet if you took a survey, that list would, would get longer. Um, so before, <laughs> before the pandemic, you got out a lot and, and you did a lot of speaking, right? I did. So, um, I have, like, I got burnt when I was two years old to most of my body. And so I grew up, you know, being teased and bullied and called this Scarface girl. And I never, ever thought I would ever get married or have kids, but I did. 
And I did end up finally getting married and having three beautiful kids. Um, I lost a baby at 28 weeks. And so one day I met this lady and she said, Cal, you need to become a speaker. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm a burn survivor. So what? And she said, no, people will be so inspired by your story. Now, the reason I didn't think that I had a story was because at that point in my life, I was in a toxic marriage. I was in a dead end job. I had um, a business that was bankrupting us. And I didn't see myself as inspirational. I saw myself as a loser. And so when she thought that I was inspirational, I was like, I don't see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me what you see. So anyway, she found a way to get me and her on a stage together. And we did like an Ellen show. So she was Ellen. I was the guest and people were laughing and crying and, you know, at my story. And I was like, what's going on here? Um, and anyway, so I became a speaker. And that was when I realized that, OK, I do I do have something. I do have a message. And so um, now my my life story has been made into a documentary called Still Beautiful. It's also a book, a best-selling book. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I was traveling around the world, sharing my story of being a burn survivor and, and helping people to see their value and, and love themselves. And um, then, of course, when the pandemic hit, I lost all my speaking gigs because there was no more in-person events. And I had three teenagers living at home with me full time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, now what? What am I going to do? Mm. And that's when I thought, OK, I guess I'm going to do this book thing. And that's when I started coaching people to write their books, become best-selling authors. And um, yeah, and so these last three years have been my best years ever. So mm -hmm. that's exciting to be able to go from one place to another. Obviously, um, you struggled, as you said, when you were younger, some teasing and so forth. You apparently had a failed business, failed marriage, correct? Yeah, yeah that's and, right. And uh, I'll tell you, um, I've had all of that. Um, I mean, I was bullied. I used to stutter and stammer. Not the same type of thing you went through, but but I, I had I wasn't like Mr. Popular when I was young. Um, yeah. And I've 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 had businesses that have pretty much gone defunct. Um, I've got a failed marriage behind me, married 25 years now, though, to a beautiful woman and have two beautiful children. And so I understand the the benefit, actually, of going through hard times like you have. Um, I, I have to say you are blessed to have gone through these things. And your friend was right. You you, you did have a story because so many people. <clears throat> don't realize what they can do. Mm, totally. And and so when you see some people who really have true disabilities, like the people that play wheelchair basketball, I, I use this example all the time, Kelly, when yeah. people say, oh, the economy's tough or, you know, it rained again today or I just can't seem to get out of bed or why is everything against me? I said, have you ever seen those wheelchair basketball players that don't have legs or they can't walk? And they're like, yeah. I said, I've got two arms and two legs and they can beat me. They can, for sure. Why is that? Because they decided that they weren't going to be held back. 
And so I'm sure someone pushed them ahead and that's what you do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's one of the things that I like to share with people. You can see your tragedy as a tragedy or you can see it as a gift. And I choose to see it as a gift and do something with it. There's many burn survivors in my world who see that they got burnt and they say, oh, my God, my life is over. I'm burnt. Or there's other burn survivors who you see that have written books. They're on stages and they're out inspiring people to to do something with their lives, even though they have scars on their body. So I know I've, I've had a, a girlfriend of mine. She comes to me and she had heart surgery and she has a scar on her chest. So when she goes looking for clothes, she always makes sure that her scar is covered. And then so she's complaining about this scar and going on and on and on. And then she stops. And I, she looks at me. She goes, oh, my gosh, I'm talking to the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> and and I said, would you like me to take that scar for you? I said, you should be happy that you have that scar because that means a doctor has the training and the knowledge to be able to open you up and fix your heart so that you can live. You should be proud of that scar, not ashamed of it. Absolutely. And if, if more of us would live in the present today and be thankful and have gratitude for what we have, and it's a very busy world, hustle and bustle. Um, yeah. You know, Canada is not that different than the United States. Big consumerism going on, houses and cars and travel and private schools, maybe for kids and all this stuff. And then we die. Right. So, like, let's slow down and, and, and appreciate what we have. Um, you know, someone who's short and bald sees the tall guy with a lot of hair saying, hey. I wish I had that and I'm just going to have a pity party. Well, figure it out. Danny DeVito, great actor, has done quite well. And he's, I don't even know if he's five feet tall. So, you know, you, you just, you, it, and you just have to have the right attitude. And I guess that's easy to say, but when people meet you and you tell them the story, how can they not, Kelly, stand back a bit and say, wait a second, what am I bitching about? I get that all the time where people say, I thought my life was bad. <clears throat> and it's not right. When I see what you've gone through, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how you've gone through it. I don't know how you get through it. People have said that to me and I believe I didn't have any other choice. Like I'm not going to sure. stay in my house. I'm not going to stay in the house all day and have a little pity party just because I've got scars on my face and somebody's going to stare at me. I believe I deserve to have a life just as much as anybody else. Yeah. I find people who <laughs> have what other people believe are, we'll call them negative things, right? Whatever it is. They, they actually can, can use that to help others and also become stronger. If you're born into wealth and you're tall and beautiful and you're, you know, you're born with muscles and great teeth or whatever. Um, everything's kind of handed to you and you, you don't build like this muscle, right? The, the muscle of life. We need to skin our knees. If you will, we yeah. need to go through relationships that fail. We need to get fired from a job. We need to have problems. We learn from those. We get stronger and have a great life. 
And, um, you know, you see it a lot with teenagers. Everything has to be perfect. They have the best clothes and they want a car and they did it. And I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, it was kind of different. I mean, you know, I mowed lawns and cleaned pools and raked leaves, you know, starting at 12 years old and I didn't have a car or anything, but, um, you have to have the hard lessons, right? And unfortunately, you had an extremely hard one. And one could argue that you have more benefit because of that than some people who hadn't gone through it. And don't take it the wrong way. It's just that you've gone through something that no one would want to go through, yeah. but there are positives you can get from it. Well, I believe that I needed to go through it so that I can share with others how to get through it. And I think that's part of the the big that I think that's what life is all about. Um, you don't learn from if everything is right. No. You don't learn from if you don't make mistakes. But when you make mistakes or when accidents happen or things happen to you, that's when you learn from them. And then you have a choice. OK, so this happened to me. Yes, I lost a baby. What am I going to do about that? Right. And how can I make my life better? And, you know, I had an incident with my son where he was violated by a girl. And he said to me, Mom, I didn't deserve to have this happen to me. Why did it happen to me? And I said, did I deserve to get burnt as a two-year-old? He said, no. And I said, what am I doing about it? He goes, well, you're helping people. And I said, maybe someday some young man's going to come up to you and say, this happened to me. How can I help? Like, how can I get through it? And you're going to be able to go and talk to him and tell him all the things you did to get through it. And so that's what I believe life is all about. It's all about the lessons that we've learned and what we're going to do with them. You can stay in your pity party if you want, or you can use it to embrace yourself and to move forward. And so that's what I choose to do. Kelly, nobody cares about your pity party. They will give you attention maybe for a little while. I tell people all the time, um, if you complain more than three times about something, then um, I don't want to hear it again. So if you're not happy with your boss, I'll tell them, get a new job. Not happy with their spouse, get out. Um, I mean, I don't want to hear it. And you've got to take action. No one wants to hear someone complaining for long. I'll give you a chance, a little bit, and then that's it. And people are like, well, gosh, you're cold. I'm like, well, wait a second. My first wife left me when I was younger. That was devastating to me, but it was the best thing that happened to me in my life. It slapped me in the face. I rebuilt myself, if you will, reinvented myself. And then I was available uh, for Robin, my wife of today, for, of, of 25 years. And it, it, I mean, the single best thing that happened to me was my divorce. Some mm -hmm. people don't recover well, um, often men. I guess some women, but, um, and, and for me up front, it was a, it was a slap real hard and I was 30 years old. You know what I was telling people? What am I going to do? I'm, I'm old. I'm all washed up. Who's going to want me? <laughs> <laughs> I had started dating this girl though at 19. So for my entire, I mean, and I got married when I was 24, my entire adult life, I was with this individual for 11 years, 19 to 30. I didn't know any different. I found yeah. out pretty quick that I did okay on the open market. If you will, like all of a sudden people are like, well, you're okay, but you know, it's all what's in your mind. Right. And, and I learned a lot and I learned that that person wasn't right for me. And I learned a lot about myself 
and I went through some things. And when people say, what is the number one thing that changed your life or the most important thing, believe it or not, it wasn't the birth of my children. That that's not the biggest thing that really went boom in my life. It was that event of going through a divorce at that stage of my life at that age and growing. I don't want to minimize the fact that I have a beautiful marriage and beautiful children, but as far as a big bang, and that was pivotal for me. I, I love that you share that because I'm very similar to you. I met the man that became my husband when I was 19. We were together. We lived together for 10 years. We got married and we were married for 14. And so then I realized that I wasn't in love with him. And there was some other toxic things that happened in our marriage. Um, and I was, I remember saying to myself, you're, it was our 24th year together and it was our anniversary and I didn't even want to celebrate it. And I remember saying to myself, you're only 44 years old. You've been with this man for 24 years. Can you do another 24 years like this? And I was crying my eyes out, right? Just crying. And um, I heard my my little voice say, no, I can't do it. And that's when my divorce started. But now, I'm, you know, then I was single for about 10 years. And now I'm with the man that we actually knew each other in high school. And so it was so funny because... Um, I thought in high school that no no man's going to want me. And yet he, we knew each other in high school, but never, ever talked. And then 38 years later, we finally get together, like when we're 55. And we're like, oh, my God, like, you know, now we believe we're, we're soulmates. And if I would have stayed in that marriage and if he would have stayed in his 30-year marriage, we never would have found each other. And so that's why i you know i i don't understand why people stay in such long-term marriages if they're not happy because you can't find the person in your life i'll tell you i'll tell you why they do it's because they 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 first of all haven't gone through something like you and i went through where we finally did get out of the marriage you see when you've done something that's that's seems to be insurmountable at the time. Um, And I've done a few things that most people would find devastating or uncomfortable. One was my divorce. The other was I quit a perfectly good job with a pregnant wife and a two-year-old to start my career as an entrepreneur. And basically, Kelly, most people don't have the guts, okay? So people are weak. We all are. Okay, we're flawed and we're weak. But the more you go through that is uncomfortable, the easier it is to move yeah. forward. And so I quit my job. I've been divorced. I've I've had these moments in my life that are scary. But if you've done it, you're not as afraid anymore, right? It's kind of like maybe the first time you jump off the cliff into the water. You're like, well, I've done it 50 times now. So the first time is like, Ooh. <laughs> now it's no big deal. <laughs> so um, I think when we look back, we might say, why didn't we get out of that sooner? And it's because we were probably frightened. There, fear is a big thing that holds people back, right? There, um, And I remember reading the book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways by Susan Jeffers. And while I was still married and I was like, why, like, what's going on? Like, why can't I leave this man? Like our marriage was not, it's, it's over. And um, I only had to read the first 20 pages and then I found the answer. Mm. And the answer was 
because we don't know what's going to happen on the other side. Yes. We're scared about whether we can really handle being divorced. Yeah. Right. And and that's what it was. My whole adult life, I was with this man. It was like, I couldn't imagine my life without him because you don't know any better. It's comfortable. It's you're in that cocoon, that bubble, and you don't know what it's like outside. And um, I guess much like if if, uh, you know, Kelly, let's say you and I were were shipped off to China and now we got to live in China and, and you know, learn to speak the language and the culture and live on top of each other in a polluted area, maybe, right? We're not used to that. And so that could be kind of scary. Um, but yeah. I moved around a lot. I've told you this before. I moved around a lot as a child. And, you know, every three years of my life, up until I was in my mid-30s, I moved every three years, at least, oh. of, of my life. So I've lived on the East Coast, West Coast, Canada, the U.S. And because of that, I'm not afraid of moving. But if you've never moved... And you're 40 years old and your spouse gets transferred and you are going to go with them somewhere. That could be frightening, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that first time, right? That first time that you try something, it's, yeah, you don't know what to do, what to expect. What's it going to be like? I've got no friends. I don't know anybody. What am I going to do for work? All of that stuff, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. This has been an awesome discussion. I know we kind of got off track. We were talking, you know, about how you can help people. We're going to put that information in the show notes. All right. So Kelly's information will be in there. So if you're interested in getting a book written and 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 published and a bestseller, Kelly knows how to do that. I do. <laughs> All right, Kelly, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This has been a fantastic conversation. You bet. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been awesome chatting with you.